0: oh yes good morning ladies and gentlemen welcome back episode seven of the men's basketball show can you guys believe that we're already seven episodes in october 27th when we're recording this episode october 28th is when you will hear it uh you can also listen to it on our spotify page WMUA sports but welcome back men's basketball show episode seven i'm your host Cam Cybert took a week off last week, but I'm back. Devin Dobik and Joey Alberti, join me again, my good friends. Double D, what's going on with you, man?
1: Not much. Had a nice week of school last week. Getting a little golf in and staying active. Getting after it. Uh, taking it week by week. Closing it on the end of semester. Um, yeah. Got to
0: tee it, huh? How'd you hit it? <laughs>
1: Uh, not my best. It was, it was kind of weird. It was the first four holes weren't the best. And then I finished strong. But when you have a
0: bad start, you can't shoot good. So you got to put it all together. But you got to love New England golf just to be out there with the colors and the, the nice brisk air. It's, it's yeah. a great time I to play golf. And, uh, great place to play golf.
1: I love it. But as we encountered, Cam, uh, you might get a leaf or two that will frustrate you mm. and hide your ball. And, and that's not exactly fun as
0: scenic as it is. Yeah, someone's gotta get out there with a rake. Joey A, our men's basketball analyst, our our UMass sports uh guru, if you will. Joey, what's going on with you? How you doing, Cam?
2: Uh just uh got through a, a good week of finals, tried to try to plow through that. I don't know how successfully I actually did, but uh that that doesn't really matter right here
0: and right now. We're just here to talk some UMass basketball and get to it, you know? Well, maybe real quick, you I heard you had that history uh midterm what what was what kind of history was that give me like one question from it i love history
2: um so do you know about like the french uh what's the reign of terror
0: uh sounds familiar the french armada i don't know
2: pierre (laughs) and how they were just like basically just killing a bunch of people so they could um what's it called try to like start this completely new like government system in essence i don't know i yeah, it sounds I, like history yeah uh so one, one of the questions was basically just i i, I don't even remember the question anymore <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's probably, All right. i just basically explained to you something i didn't even ask you a question
0: all right. Yeah. Well. Hey. Appreciate it. Uh, history lessons with Joey A. But yeah, we'll get right into the real stuff here. Men's basketball show episode seven. It's a little crazy that we're already at episode seven. I mean, pretty much all we've done on this show is talk about our high expectations for the season. If you had all, if all your knowledge about UMass basketball was strictly from this show, you'd think that this was a team destined to win the March March Madness uh, come tournament time. But we are definitely high on our expectations. I think a lot of people around this uh, the team are as well. Uh, You look at uh, the last time they went to the tournament there in 2014. This team stacks up pretty well, if not maybe even better, uh, in terms of the talent up and down the roster. Talked about it a lot. Lose a couple players in the offseason to the transfer portal, but the players you bring in, I think for the most part, outweigh uh, those players that that UMass lost. Um, And of course, so in terms of a timeline, now UMass in full practice sessions, I can't say that word, sessions, they're able to scrimmage 5v5 up and down the court. Really start to kind of understand what they're they're playing with this year. Uh, I won't name any names. Had a little, a, a, a source, I guess you will, been in the DMs. Uh, it's, it's from what I can hear, it sounds like practices are going pretty well. Some bright spots that are even brighter than expected. Uh, and, and, of course, we're waiting on this schedule that could be announced sometime this week. We saw, Joey, you pointed it out, that Northeastern was scheduled to play UMass officially that game December 12th. Um, but I know this isn't really queuing up a question or anything, but maybe we can just go around real quick on uh, just what, since, since last week, since last episode, what have you guys been hearing or feeling uh, about UMass basketball? Joey, why don't we start with you, I guess? Um,
2: I guess the, the main thing that I've been thinking about recently, I guess we can get into it when we talk about, uh, Ronnie DeGray, cause it kind of centers around him. Um, him just bringing out a, a small ball lineup and having him as a small ball five. I don't know if you want to get into that now or go into that later when we talk about him, but that's something I thought a lot about and I feel it could be a very interesting component for this team.
0: Yeah, we're definitely going to get into that in a little bit, so I appreciate you bringing it up. Devin, was there anything that was just like, man, that this is just like, I can't stop thinking about UMass basketball, or are you just like, let's just get into <laughs> some mean, topics?
1: The only new news that I came across since the last time, at least Cam, you were on the show, we did one with Nathan last week, but um, was unfortunately that report about uh, the NCAA uh, tennis, mm. and then I think there was a little about basketball in there, but that was the only new news I came across. But other than that, it's just been high anticipation for – um. Just UMass basketball
0: to start up. Yeah, and from what I see and hear, it's pretty unanimous that people agree uh, UMass is getting the, the bad end of the stick there. It, it seems like the NCAA is really just out to punish for no reason, which it only attests to the terrible reputation they have. They're, they're continuing to make it worse with these decisions in these ways they try to uh, penalize teams for petty, petty incidents like this one. Uh, But we'll go into some topics here. I mean, the the thing that we really wanted to talk about is obviously seven episodes in, we've just done a bunch of hypotheticals, talked about our expectations for the team in terms of their depth, uh, what they can do defensively, offensively, the point guard situation. We've talked about a lot of different stuff. Trey Mitchell, of course, you can't forget about him. But what we wanted to get into a little bit here is some of the players that we haven't really been talking about a whole lot. Uh, There's definitely a good little list of them. Uh, Joey mentioned Ronnie DeGray. I suppose we could start there. Of course, I think you kind of put him and DeAndre Dominguez, these two forwards that have come in this year, almost in like a similar category. They're similar players, but they do have a little bit of a, a different skill sets. We'll start with Ronnie, more that, that guy who can can get in. I mean, so look, John Rothstein gets access to uh, the Kennedy Center to watch practice last week. He's the CBS reporter for college basketball. Uh, he says some really promising stuff about UMass, how he thinks – they're going to be a great team this year. He thinks Trey Mitchell might be the best uh, non, non-power non conference player in college basketball this year. One thing he mentions, is, mentions as well is that Ronnie DeGray, uh, a very high IQ player who could potentially be the glue guy for UMass this year, uh, a, a role that every team needs filled, the glue guy. But like last year, it was like Preston Santos, Sam Diallo, guys like that that were grinding for offensive rebounds and just making hustle plays uh, to help win games and give energy even coming off the bench at times now ronnie degray kind of could be that role joey i know you had some stuff you wanted to talk about here and how he could possibly be fitting in even as a five for a stretch lineup uh so i guess i'll pass it to you in terms of ronnie degray and i mean the quick uh, rundown on ronnie another one of these guys that comes from woodstock uh he played alongside cairo mccrory and deandre dominguez guys who are now still his teammates at umass they went 36 and he was actually on that team with Trey, TJ, and Preston, and Noah Fernandes. They went 36-2 and a couple years back. Uh, the team from last year at Woodstock was not as good, but still obviously a great team with great prospects now. They're all here at UMass again. Joey, I know. I'm sorry. I'm taking your time. So what what were you thinking about Ronnie DeGray?
2: <laughs> so I, I just want to touch on what you said. I think it was extremely smart for him to go back and um, take that, I think, what was it? Uh, just like take that extra year at Woodstock, whatever that's called, reclassifying because he was kind of not that main piece with Trey Mitchell and everyone else from UMass on that first team. But then when he came back the next year, he was more of a centerpiece and more of one of the main guys. And you could just tell from, um, the way he played in the stat line in general. But, um, so he kind of seems to be mainly a, a really good inside scorer, but it's not like he can't shoot from outside. He can. And then he's a solid defender. He was, um, I'm pretty sure he was one of their main uh low like big man defenders all last year for for Woodstock and I think he could just if say we we need to give Trey a rest or something we we put Ronnie out there with maybe DeAndre Dominguez Carl TJ and then either Noah or Javon and we just got a, a crazy small crazy athletic and really good shooting lineup and I feel like that dynamic could be something very interesting for UMass and as we've heard McCall say and as we've reiterated quite a few times on this podcast, he, he has a very versatile and deep lineup that he can do a lot of things with, and I just think that's one more thing that could be a, an interesting play this year.
1: Well, I mean, he's a three-star recruit and the number eight player from Colorado when we're looking at high school things. So my biggest question with DeGray is how is his game going to translate to the next level? He had a lot of success with that Woodstock team as you said going 36 and two um, they all did really well he's got some chemistry with McCrory and DeAndre Dominguez as well um, so we'll we got to see how that's going to translate and that's my biggest thing because um, it's his freshman year and I think we're going to learn a lot in the first uh, few times we see him step on the floor and if he can maybe even earn a starting spot
0: yeah and I mean it's just it's like you're saying, Joey, basketball now has just become a sport where you need to be able to play all five positions or be able to at least stretch the floor in some capacity. Obviously, Ronnie, a great guy for that. And you hear Rothstein talk about his IQ. He was at practice. He must have seen him doing some stuff that impressed him to say that he could be a potential glue guy, six 6'7", uh, not, not too big to where he can't move, but still big enough that he can get inside and battle some of the bigger guys for rebounds. Coach McCall, uh, his quote on the website about Ronnie something he likes to say a lot about his front court players. He loves guys who can front court players who can really pass. Um, and we've heard him talk about Trey Mitchell so much last year when we were getting to know Trey Mitchell, even before the season, that was a big thing McCall would always say is I'm, I'm impressed with the way this kid can pass from the post. And I think that's going to be pretty important again this year. Cause if you're in the poster, especially when it's Trey in the post post, of course we saw a lot last year, him getting double team, kicking it out uh, for threes. And if you're going to have a healthy TJ Weeks, as well as uh, Carl Pierre coming back for his senior year. Kicking it out for threes from the post is going to be important. And I think as well, we'll get into the identity conversation in a little bit. Pushing the, the break a little more might be as well another thing we see from UMass this year. Uh, and that's going to come from the, the big guys without the passes and trying to get the break started. So as I mentioned, we can't really mention or talk about Ronnie DeGray without mentioning DeAndre Dominguez in the same breath. These guys are almost like... Uh, a pair, really. They come in as these two forwards, but like I say, they have a little bit of a different skill set, the two of them. So we'll go right into talking about DeAndre Dominguez. Comes from Providence, Rhode Island, of course. Another one of these Woodstock guys played with, again, Cairo McCrory and Ronnie DeGray last year at Woodstock. They only went 29-8 and compared to Trey Mitchell's team that went 36-2. and Still a pretty successful season. DeAndre, again, a guy with size. He can still move a little bit, but what he can do that maybe Ronnie can't as well is stretched the floor. He can get out to the perimeter and knock down threes. If you follow him on social media during the pandemic or during quarantine over the summer, nonstop videos. I think it was actually his father posting it. I'm not positive on that, so I apologize if I'm wrong. But a lot of videos of DeAndre just in the gym working on his three balls. He's got the machine spitting the ball back to him. He's just nonstop grinding, doing dribbling drills, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was clear that he was working on his game uh, when other people might not have been. But we'll go right in. I'll, I'll let you guys uh, to jump in here. Joey, what are you seeing out of DeAndre? I mean, I know you think Ronnie can fill in at that five position to really stretch the floor. Would you see DeAndre and Ronnie out there at the same time? Uh, what's what's kind of the difference? Or compare, compare and contrast the two, I guess, Joey.
2: So I think the main difference is that Ronnie seems more of an interior four, and then, as you were just saying, DeAndre seems more of a, a three-point shooting four. But that doesn't mean that DeAndre is just – stuck on the outside and can't be inside and then same thing for Ronnie with the inside to outside I think that's just both where they they specialize Uh, I think it was the uh, DeAndre shot like 39 percent in EYBL uh, whenever the last time he was in EYBL was on and it was off of like 80 attempts or something like I don't know but something along those lines he was a really good three-point shooter and I think just having that addition next to what should be TJ Weeks and Carl Pierre as your two main three-point shooters um, is going to be a very nice addition because, you know, I think there was times where, especially when Weeks was hurt and then Pierre struggled. I've said this – I know I've said this before, where UMass's uh, three-point shooting wasn't great. So just being able to add a three-point shooter, especially at a big man spot, is interesting. Um, and I also – I don't think uh, he's just a one-trick pony. I think he's kind of athletic and can – hold his own on defense, so I don't think it's just going to be a a stretch forward deal where we're just going to have to make sure uh, people are accounting for his guy on defense. I think he's going to be able to hold his own. I'm not saying he's going to be a Samba Diallo lockdown defender type, but I think he'll be able to do all right on that side.
1: Yeah, Joey took the words right out of my mouth. It comes down to shooting, which is one of the many things UMass was lacking in last year. So you add a guy like this, a forward who can shoot, he takes a little pressure off those other guys that are always chucking up three balls. You know, it's it's a great addition to have to the team. And I love the extra effort we're seeing from him when he's not in a UMass uniform, just putting in the extra work, getting in extra shots, putting up a fight to compete for a possible starting spot, if not maybe sixth man. And that is uh, really promising to see. And I really think DeAndre Jaminguez is going to be destined for a big season if he stays on the path that he's been
0: on. Right. I mean, he's a player that UMass just simply did not have last year. Sure, you have a Debaje Walker, could maybe shoot the three. Didn't really see that uh, in high capacity last year. And then, of course, it's like a Dejiri Baptiste. If you want to put Preston Santos in that category, you didn't really have a four who could stretch to the corners, shoot threes, uh, and provide more spacing for a guy like Trey Mitchell who who might need some more space this year, or even some of these slashers that UMass has now, Javon Garcia's and uh, some of these other guys. So... I really think it adds a new element to the team. That's what we've really been talking about a lot in terms of our expectations, the versatility, the depth. Uh, he's definitely one of those players. that's going to allow UMass to do a lot of different things this year. Uh, excited to see how the two of them play, Ronnie and Dominguez, how they kind of ping and pong off of each other in their two different skill sets. But moving down the list, a couple more guys that we haven't really talked a whole lot about. Another one to be excited about, Cairo McCrory. He's the third uh, in this trio that comes from Woodstock from last year. Another guy from Connecticut, or actually, I'm sorry, uh, DeAndre was from Rhode Island, but Cairo from Hartford, Connecticut, I guess I played at Woodstock, 6'5", 185 pounds. So right off the bat, uh, a a guard at 6'5", 185, that's got to tell you that he's going to be a great defender. Uh, He's obviously going to be able to score at the rim through contact. He's got size. I'm wondering what you guys think about Cairo and how he might have an impact on this team, where we know that the... The guard position is is a little competitive right now with guys like Noah Fernandez, Javon Garcia, uh, Colton Mitchell, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So what do you what are you thinking about Cairo? How does he kind of fit into this lineup uh, with his size and obviously being a little inexperienced as a freshman, but still has that connection to Woodstock like so many other players on this team?
2: I think his leverage that helps him set him like his one skill set or his main skill set that sets him uh, apart from. The rest of the guards is his crazy explosiveness. I'm not saying Preston Santos isn't an, an explosive athlete, but when you see Kyra McRory do some of the things that he did, you can tell that he's probably the most explosive guard on this roster. I would not be surprised if that was the case. Um, so I think just having that uh, come off the bench and just having that energy. Also, if they want to use the press, like we've said before, and you know you have to kind of dig deep into those lineups to uh, keep guys fresh, I think Kyra McRory could be a perfect piece for that and then just Being able to um, slash inside and then hold it, like just do well on defense. And, but I don't, I don't know if he would be a lockdown defender, but I think he could really be a a good defender. Well,
1: yeah, just the first thing that comes to my mind when looking up Kyra McCrory is just I'm thinking Brad Wanamaker, a competitive guy that adds uh, competitiveness to the point guard position. Um, is giving in practice giving a lot of work and competitiveness keep using that word competitiveness, to the guard position. They all uh, work off each other, and and that's how they get better. And when you have a guy that can come off the bench, an explosive player, a guy that can give you some energy, a guy that can score points for you, it's very confident, and it's awesome when you uh, you can give your starters a rest in order to get a guy like this in the game.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think as well, too, obviously we saw the press defense last year. You have to think that with more guys coming from Woodstock who know that system, it's going to be on again this year for UMass. You're going to want to press teams. Cairo is going to be a great guy for that as well uh, with his size. Moving along the list, another guy we haven't talked about, and maybe one of the more important ones that we haven't mentioned, Mark Gasparini. He's kind of replacing Dejury Baptiste. as that second center coming off the bench for Trey, Uh, graduate student from American College. So that tells you right there he's, been around for a little while. He, he, he's experienced at the college level. He knows what it's all about. He can be a mentor for guys. Uh, it certainly seems 6'10, 245 pounds, so he's even bigger than Trey. Uh, almost like a jure Baptiste, but if, I mean, if you know Dejiri, if you ever talk to him in person, you know that it's hard to be bigger than jure Baptiste. <laughs> um Coach McCall says he's a big physical guy. Really can pass again. Can really pass as a front court player. This is a trend. I'm telling you. Uh, he adds experience factor, also a versatile front court player. I mean, if you watched any of his highlights uh, or, yeah, or some of his some of the film on him, Mark has this great little baby hook. It's almost old school. Uh, Dr. J might like to see that a little bit this year. He just gets into the middle of the lane. And he just throws up these baby hooks, and he seems to make a lot of them. So we'll definitely watch out for that this year when you're watching Mark play. Could be kicking it old school and hitting you with the baby hook. Uh, but – Obviously, yeah, he's going to be second to Trey Mitchell, but we saw at times uh, a little bit last year, we saw DeJerry and Trey out there at the same time, two center lineups. So it's not off the table uh, this year for Mark and Trey to be out there at the same time. I'll pass it to you guys, though. I'm wondering what you think about Mark Gasparini, how he's going to have an impact on the squad.
2: Yeah, you kind of, you took the words out of my mouth with the whole baby hook thing. I was going to bring that up. That seems to be part of his offensive game, but I mean, he's really good at it, so like what are you what are you going to do is if he can be really good at it then it it could be a little tough to stop at times but if it goes in i think um i like you were saying i think he's just going to be second to trey mitchell just kind of giving him a breather like de baptiste would do um and then also i i would love to see Gasparini at the five mitchell at the four and then maybe a couple other big guys out there just get a just get a giant lineup out there against opponents that could be a A very interesting component just uh, potentially give Trey Mitchell an easier matchup maybe um, Gasparini takes on their biggest big man so he gets a smaller guy and can kind of play around with that uh, play around with that like smaller dude but I don't know I think Gasparini is just going to be important for um, Trey Mitchell's energy more than anything but also again I guess if you want to go to like the mentoring thing and just being that graduate transfer he can He adds a little bit of that too, for sure. Him and Carl Pierre, like the the two vets on the team.
1: Yeah, I think Joey makes a great point. A lot of teams are going to come in thinking, okay, we got to contain Trey Mitchell. That's the biggest thing they're thinking of coming in playing UMass as he was a ten rookie of the year. He's got quite the resume, so they're coming in game plan to contain Trey Mitchell, and and we're going to be able to win this game. So you bring a guy like Gasparini in, and then you move Mitchell to the four so he has an easier matchup, takes a little pressure off him, opens things up a little bit, as we've been saying, stretching the floor, um, kind of moving guys, shifting them around positions, and you can that will lead to more production in offense. And I think a much better defensive lineup when you add a guy that's 6'10", 245, I mean, that will help you out drastically. So I think Gasparini could be a player – that could kind of fly under the radar and kind of maybe not get noticed, but you know he might be able to, uh, he might be able to get some production out of him that nobody really saw coming.
0: Yeah, and you just kind of created an image in my head, Devin, that I really like. Teams getting ready for Trey Mitchell, preparing all this stuff he does in the post, the footwork, uh, all the way he confuses uh, defenses, and then all of a sudden you get to the game, and who's Mark Gasparini, this this big awkward guy who's just knocking down baby hooks all game he's got 20 points on just baby hooks in the middle of the paint that would be hilarious to see i think um but we're moving along here 22 minutes in men's basketball show episode 7 thank you guys so much for being here thanks to all the listeners for tuning in we're going to take a very short break but i would be remiss if i didn't mention that today's show is presented by hot table panini hot table panini is located on route 9 in hadley and has been serving the pioneer valley since 2007 Customers can go there and try out their limited-time offers, the Cranberry Turkey Club, Pumpkin Bisque, or a Harvest Salad. Uh, Along with the Hadley location, there are also seven other stores, two in Springfield and two in Connecticut. Hot Table open from 11 to 8 Monday through Saturday. They look forward to continuing their service of the Amherst community with specialty paninis hot off the press. More information available at hottable.com. I don't know about you guys. Big fan of Hot Table. I've said it a couple times. Love the chicken parm panini. Uh, You really can't go wrong. Great way to get in and get out, get yourself a nice meal, uh, and fill yourself up before some UMass sports get back in action. But like I say, we'll take a quick break here. Uh, When we return, more coming on the Men's Basketball Show, Episode 7 here. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hot Table Panini, located on Route 9 in Hadley, is just a few miles away from the UMass campus. Hot Table specializes in a variety of grilled panini sandwiches and also offers a selection of soups and salads. For over a decade, Hot Table has been serving paninis for customers all across the Pioneer Valley. Customers can order in-store or by using the Hot Table app to order for delivery. Their menu, store locations, and phone number can be found at hottable.com. For more than 25 years, residents in the Five College area have been getting their food brought to their door by Delivery Express. Customers can order from over 85 Pioneer Valley restaurant locations. Some of the best local spots in downtown Amherst are available from the comfort of your own home using Delivery Express. Online orders can be placed at deliveryexpress.com. Phone orders are available through their iOS app or by calling 413-549-0077. Alrighty folks, welcome back in Tuesday morning here. You're listening to this on Wednesday. Uh men's basketball show, episode seven, Cam cyber Devin Dobick, and Joey ali Birdie. I think that's a new nickname I'm coming up with there, Joe. Joey ali What do you think? Joey Ali, like Muhammad <laughs> Ali almost, but
2: I don't know sure. if I'm anywhere close into the same realm as Mo. <laughs> <laughs> that.
0: That's a good point. That's <laughs> a good point. Uh, but you know, I'm trying. Uh, so we welcome you back. You listened to the first half there. We were talking a lot about some of these guys that UMass has on this roster that are going unmentioned, really going untalked about. And a lot of them, as we talk about them, you kind of start to see that they can have major impacts as well. It's kind of the role players that hold teams together and that usually are the deciding factor in a win or a loss. So uh, we've, we've talked about almost all of them. DeAndre Dominguez, Ronnie DeGray, Kyra McCrory, Mark Gasparini, some of these newcomers that really could play a big role. And then another one that really doesn't get talked about. I mean, for most of us, it was like we couldn't really find information on, on this guy. Ryan Marcus, uh, he comes in, another freshman. He comes from Wakefield, Mass., comes from Wakefield Memorial High School. Uh, he's a little different from the rest in that he dis- doesn't come from Woodstock. I know it's like a UMass player not coming from Woodstock. What does that even mean? But Ryan Marcus joins this team, another guard. I mean, when you look at him, you give him the eye test, he doesn't stand out with the Javon Garcias and the 6'5", Kyra McCrory's that are joining this team. But you still have to think that he will have some sort of impact, Uh, maybe a shooter, maybe more of a a facilitator, a smart-minded player who can uh, man the offense when somebody else needs a break, or who knows? I mean hard to say without having much access to the team to know exactly what his role is going to be. But do you guys have anything you'd want to add on Ryan Marcus?
2: Um, I, I'm i putting my money on the fact that he's a shooter because I know in high school uh, he shot 82% from the free throw line, which isn't like something insane. But when you shoot 82%, you're usually a shooter. So my, my best guess is that he's just a, a solid shooter. I don't know if he'll get any playing time or anything like that because I haven't heard much talk about him uh but yeah if he were to come in to play i think it would be in a shooting role i think it's great for him because he has a chance to set the bar for
1: himself i mean he's got no one's got any expectations for this guy so he can just come in tear it up uh be a role player whatever he wants to do and and nobody's gonna bat an eye and it's gonna work out perfectly for him Uh, i think uh the sky is the limit i mean that doesn't necessarily mean he's gonna reach the sky but he has. He can only go up. There's no way uh, he can let anyone down. Reach
0: for the sky. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, he's 6'3", 180. He's definitely got some size to him. We'll have to see uh, what Ryan brings to the table uh, in a little, in a little bit here. I mean, we're we're a little, I think, about a month, almost like probably thirty days exactly from the start of college basketball. Still don't have a, a specific schedule for UMass, but. More and more, if you follow John Rothstein, a lot of these other uh, reporters, you see it on Twitter, these multi-team events, more and more of those are getting uh, uh, finalized and they're getting released about what teams are playing and where they're playing and when they're playing. So you have to think uh, news about UMass's schedule is just around the corner, uh, but we're moving along. So we talked about some of these players that we haven't talked about a lot. We've talked, obviously, in past shows a lot about the offensive and defensive identity, how there's going to be more depth, more versatility, more stuff Coach McCall can do. Um, I mentioned it a little earlier on when talking about Cairo, um, some of these other guys, these defenders that have come in. Ronnie DeGray, another one of them who could be a great defender in the press if UMass uh, decides to use that again this season. I mean, we saw it more earlier in the year last year, it kind of evolved uh, into what Coach McCall described as just mixing up the defenses to try to keep the other team guessing. Uh, And I think against teams like VCU and and Dayton at home, it kind of worked a little bit. Uh, Teams were guessing, they didn't know exactly what defense UMass was throwing at them. This year, you have to think that the press defense will continue with more guys coming from Woodstock. It's that that's the system, uh, the press defense system from Woodstock. So, I'd like to get your guys' take. How will it carry over into the season? Will it be better than last year? Uh, who could be key defenders in the press? Or just who's going to be a key defender overall for you uh, with this new roster?
2: Uh, wait, Cam, it sounds like – I don't know what that sound is. but it
0: sounds- Yeah, it's like a B-55 bomber just going right over my house, I think. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's funny. We, it was, when we had Curry X on, he's like in New York. We heard like – police sirens and listen back to the episode and it sounded even worse like after the fact that it did when i was recording it oh, there's man. like ambulances and stuff driving by but just try to uh, avoid that it's just like an i don't know like a giant airplane
2: a b-55 bomber all right yeah. <laughs> <A> <laughs>
0: Boeing 737
2: um i think it's really good um are really smart on it, obviously, for the fact that they're just switching up these defenses so much. And I think with that and with more experience and just more familiarity with guys and more depth, it's not going to get – I don't think it's going to get worse. I, I think that would be uh, a little – something would have to go really wrong for it to go worse. So I think their defense in general should be better. Um, On-ball defending was something that Matt McCall pointed out. And I just think whatever they do on defense, it'll be, I'm not saying it's going to be exponentially better, but I think it'll all be a little better. And I don't, I doubt they're just going to stick to just the press because they have more depth now and they can just go through guys. But I do, I do see them doing it maybe like a little more, if anything, just because they can, because they have these guys. Um, And then for main defenders, I know he's not a starter, but Preston Santos, I feel like fits that, fits that mold perfectly coming off the bench. He's, he was kind of known as that guy last year, especially down the stretch that could just like a, a three and D guy almost with um really just pretty athletic too and can get inside and playing the four as we've talked about in the past. So he was really versatile. So I think they have a few versatile guys on this team like him, Ronnie DeGray. Uh, I think Kyro McRory could be someone that's really versatile. Um, so just just guys like that I could see being um interesting. Colton people. Mitchell, a guy. Yeah, who Colton is Mitchell defense. He, he took over the starting role for Sean East at, um, what's it called, like a little bit into the season. I think it was solely for the fact of just energy and being able to have that defensive presence because Sean East was obviously the more talented offensive player, but they just needed that energy on the defensive side, and Colton brought that. He gave
0: it. He gave it at times, yeah. Came up with some big steals. Him and Preston were menacing in the, in the press, and it's, it's funny because you bring up Preston and it's like, Wow, maybe he should be in that conversation of players we're not talking about enough because I, I feel like just in general, Preston doesn't get talked about enough. How important he was last year and just being that Swiss Army knife that was just fit in wherever Coach McCall needed him. And I mean, you heard you heard him at practice. It's like, oh, how do you feel about now getting a starting tie? He, Preston was like, look, man, I'll run through a wall for my teammates and my coach. Like, it doesn't matter where you need me, what you need me to do, I'm I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna help us win. So he had the right attitude all throughout last year. And you got to think he's only going to get better into his sophomore season. But Devin, did you want to jump in, talk about this press defense a little bit, what you think and how it might carry over into this season?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's going to be interesting because you had the loss of Diallo. So not kind of, you know, veering off a bit from the press defensive style, but just kind of getting rebounds uh, with the loss of Diallo. That's going to be a huge thing that UMass needs to find someone to fill. And I think Devaji Walker, the junior, I think he could be a key player. Uh, down at the four position, and I think he could contribute and tr- try and uh, grab some of those rebounds that Diallo was so uh, amazing about. Um, but also, you got a lot of size in these new freshman class between Gasparini, Dominguez, uh, DeGray, all these guys, or Gasparini's not a freshman, but anyway, incoming players. Yeah, uh, no, I, guess. I think that size presence will definitely add an element to UMass. Uh, they were a little smaller last year. Um, but adding that size will definitely make them uh, better up front, Um, and obviously with those big hands up, it's
0: going to be a lot harder to make plays. Absolutely. I mean, for me, like it it was exciting to hear that UMass was going to implement the press last year. It feels like, to me, that that's the best way to upset a team that might be uh, better than you. I I think against Virginia it was a little tough because their defense was almost just – superior to all it was superior to all they were holding teams to like less than 50 points it was crazy at the beginning of the year uh what they were doing so that wasn't a really good example to show how the press could maybe upset a team but i mean if you can get a strong press together how hard is that to prepare for for other teams that's what tony bergeron said it, it, sure you can look at how well the press works and everything like that but almost one of the bigger things is that other teams just have to prepare for it and they have to take time to get ready Uh, to know how to break your press it takes time away from preparing for players specific players or other parts of the game uh, because they're taking so much time with the press so definitely going to be interesting to see how that carries over into this year you have to think they'd be doing it again with all these woodstock guys people who know how the system works they're going to have chemistry they're going to know where their teammates are going to be on the court there's so many reasons for it this year to improve uh, and i'm looking forward to seeing how it does because i think if you can have a successful press defense you can really beat any team in college basketball uh, but we move into the other identity that this team's going to have, obviously, the offensive identity. Talked still again these past couple episodes. We've talked a lot about it. Versatility, depth, different lineups. We talked about it in this episode. Ronnie DeGray even maybe playing at the five. DeAndre Dominguez and Ronnie DeGray being out there as two forwards who can stretch the floor. It goes on and on, the, the, the list of options that this uh, offense is going to have. But I'm wondering more of like an identity. Um, all five positions I feel like can run up and down the court. Coach McCall, obviously, as I mentioned as well, has been very big on uh, big men who can pass and start the break. Is this like a hint almost that this is going to be more of a run-and-gun style team, pushing it in the break a little bit? I I felt like last year, sure, they did that at times, but it was really only when Sean East uh, got the ball quickly on an outlet or rebounded it himself and decided in his own mind that he was going to take it coast-to-coast and score or find somebody for an open three. But now I feel like you have so many guards on this team uh, so many wings and guys who can just bring the ball up court, even if it's not a guard. I feel like you have a lot more options to push it in the break, and I think Coach McCall, if if I'm not wrong, is is uh, a believer in the run-and-gun offense. So what do you guys think? Is is that something you think we'll see more? Will they push it more on the break? Will they slow things down? What What is going to be the uh, identity for this UMass offense?
2: Yeah, I don't know if you can just go out and say they're going to be a straight-up straight run-and-gun team, but I definitely agree with you in the fact that they're going to try to do it a lot more especially the way that McCall is talking like you said he just wants um, everyone to be able to be a, a playmaker and be able to handle the ball and pass the ball at a high level. Um, so it'd be interesting to see I don't think we'll see a ton of Trey Mitchell running the break that'd be a really interesting sight but um, I could I could definitely see a lot more running gun and then I think they want to be uh, a lot of a pick and pop type of team where or just a, a pick and roll opening it for like a TJ weeks or Carl Pierre maybe DeAndre Dominguez off the pick-and-pop, just stuff like that to get three-point shooters open. And um, and then just say, I bet you we'll see this play probably way too many times, just Trey Mitchell double-teamed in the post, and then he has shooters on the outside, and they just want to have those shooters be hitting their shots at a, at a high rate, something that I think UMass shot like 30 to 32% last year. So I think they want to just see that three-point percentage go up because that would just make their offense so much more threatening on all three levels.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I keep agreeing with Joey, but I mean, it's just because he's pretty much hitting the nail on the head. That uh, a guru. If you're able to push the floor like that and create those outside shots, I mean, how many times do we see uh, in the NBA? Because that was just the most recent season. How many times do we see in the postseason teams pushing the floor and then kicking out and getting an open look at a three and then even a potential offensive rebound because they're in transition and everybody's uh, trying to get back. So. Uh, I think with that shooting element, um, when you're able to be able to kick it out to a guy like Preston Santos or um, DeAndre Dominguez, who's up-and-coming shooter, Carl Pierre, um, TJ Weeks, when you've got all those guys that can shoot, I think being able to push the floor and create those opportunities that the team didn't have last year is going to make a big impact.
0: Yeah, you know, and I I mentioned how Joey is uh, the guru of UMass sports. It's like if you – show up for media availability for any sport right now you're bound to see Joey uh in there somewhere in one of the zoom squares getting ready to ask a great question the kid just he knows it you know he's just up and down the board he knows every single team
2: I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I wouldn't say I know (laughs) every team if you ask me some soccer questions I I can tell you for sure I wouldn't be I wouldn't be great at them at all
0: I mean, you see his name in the newspaper, you hear his voice on the airwaves. It's like, it's versatile. I'm telling you, he's Preston Santos of this UMass media business. <laughs> um, but moving along, uh, we talked about it a little earlier. The glue guy for the team, I don't know if this is something we want to talk about. I definitely feel like last year it was Preston Santos fitting in wherever he needed to fit in, uh, making those extra effort plays that can kind of win or lose a game, loose balls, balls going out of bounds. Offensive rebounds. Sam Diallo is another one of those guys that made a lot of those effort plays. Do you see that changing this year to someone else? Does Preston fall into more of a solidified role and he's a wing player and he, he has, yeah, he's not necessarily your, your grinder. Obviously, he'll still have that aspect to his game. He's just a high effort player. But is Ronnie DeGray a guy that you can see becoming the glue guy? Like John Rothstein says, he's at that practice. He says he's a high Q, uh, six foot seven potential glue player do you see that changing this year? Does, does it have to change just now that Preston's a sophomore? Does he have to kind of give up that grinder role and, and give it to another freshman or how does this work in your guys' point of view?
2: See, I would, I would not, if I were coach McCall and Bergeron, I would not want Preston Santos to give up whatever he was doing last year, because I feel like whatever he was doing last year, if you add that on top of who you have around him this year, um, additionally will just be so helpful, kind of like a, a Marcus Smart role almost, especially Marcus Smart in the playoffs. I don't I obviously you're not gonna see Preston Santos dropping like
0: twenty-four at times, but just like a right well, like an evolved Marcus Smart because I feel like earlier Marcus Smart was, yeah, just hustle plays and defense, but now he's oh, maybe it's not a great thing, but he's evolved into a shooter uh and a score or more, if that's what you kind of mean. Yeah,
2: you. yeah. If you if you went into last year, I don't think anyone was gonna tell you about how good of a shooter Preston Santos was, but he shot 40% from three. And obviously he only shot a couple threes a game. But um, I just think having having a threat like that, even if you only do shoot like say two or three times a game from outside, just having the threat where like they have to respect you is going to be big for someone like Trey, who's just going to open up down in the middle. And then obviously if you have other shooters around him, you're going to have to not have your sole focus on that one shooter. So I just think if you if Preston Santos keeps doing what he's doing, obviously McCall said he doesn't want him to play the four like he did sometimes, and I think that's only going to help defensively for him and the team as a whole. Because if you have Preston Santos lined up against uh, Hassan French from St. Louis, who's just six seven and just a huge body, it's it's probably not going to go his Preston's way. Uh, more often than not, it's going to go Hassan French's way. So I think just having Preston Santos stay at that two three and that glue guy is the most likely thing. Now that's not saying Ronnie to someone like Ronnie De Grey can't come in and contribute as a some sort of glue guy. Um, and it looks like Rothstein thinks he's going to start, so I think that'll be really interesting to see if he's kind of uh, that that energy and that hustle guy that Samba that Samba had last year, that type of role. So I think those two guys are the the main two contenders for it. But I mean. You never know.
0: I hear you. Devin?
2: Yeah,
1: I just think UMass becomes such a more versatile team when you got shooting and inside play. It just makes you, you know, so much more well-rounded. And all these new guys coming in, like we've been touching on today with McCrory, DeGray, and Dominguez, they're all going to bring a new thing to the table that UMass didn't have last year. And it's when you got to keep teams guessing. UMass had a very... Uh, flat, if you will, offense last year. They turned it on in a couple games, and we saw lights out shooting from Pierre. Great inside play from Mitchell. Uh, he was a consistent player all year. But um, now when you got guys that can shoot, play make, uh, rebound, uh, get inside, it's just going to make this team so much more tougher to prepare for, and it's going to just make everyone on the other side of things job a lot harder because this UMass team could be kind of a dark horse i mean coming after last year you know under 500 uh and this year they're you know they're getting all sorts of big projections so it's going to be great to see what they can come in and do this season
0: you're absolutely right Devin. i feel like if if the the different aspects of this team are on it's going to be so hard to beat them if you have tj weeks and carl pierre hitting their shots hitting outside shots if you have trey mitchell working the inside post noah fernandes and these guards you got javon garcia taking it to the rim it's just like there's so many different ways this team can be successful and if just a couple of them are on on any given night it's going to be tough to beat them uh but we'll move along here but kind of before we do of course i mentioned hot table panini on the other side have to mention as well that this program is dual presented sponsored uh secondly by delivery express delivery express has been serving the five college area community since 1990 That's well before I was born. Customers can order from 85-plus restaurants located throughout the Pioneer Valley. Uh, Their offices are in Amherst, Northampton, and Springfield, so you can order from those different locations. You can find more information at DeliveryExpress.com or by calling 413-549-0077. I don't know about you guys, but during the pandemic, I've been doing a lot of ordering in. You know, kind of staying at home. No need to go out to the restaurant when you can just have it at your house. It can be delivered right to your door. I don't see why not. Try Delivery Express if you're in the area. uh, DeliveryExpress.com. But keeping things rolling here, a little bit of an over-under segment. Who doesn't love a nice over-under segment, you know? I mean, that's just like... I know you're on the edge of your seat right now. You're in your car. You're pulling over. Like, I need to take a breather because this is so exciting. <laughs> over under bets for the season. Maybe not, necess- not necessarily bets. There's no money. I swear to you, we're not placing money. Uh, Joey is right now at MGM about to hammer down these bets. No, I'm just kidding. But so we're going right to do it. Trey Mitchell, over under, averaging 21 and a half points this season. What do you think about that? That is a tasty one. Joey, we'll kick it to you first. So if we listen to everything that
2: like say the coaches are saying and John Rothstein says he should he should average just around that 21 to like 23 range um so I think it correlates for me it correlates with how well we think TJ Weeks is going to do because it, obviously they're the one two punch scoring wise going forward so uh that's why I also put him next but I just think it depends on how well because usually in college basketball you're not going to see two like 20 and 19 point per game scoring players so I honestly think that Trey will kind of take that next step in terms of scoring and TJ will do more of the same of what he did last year because I just I don't know I don't think he's going to be able to withstand the efficiency that he had last year I forget what he shot from three but I just know it was something
0: Forty-eight and a half percent, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, that through ten games was the number one freshman three-point shooting percentage in the country. So yeah, that's that's some tough to that's
2: some Fletcher McGee type of numbers. I don't know if you guys remember <laughs> Wofford. He shot like sixty percent from three, shooting like ten threes a game. But no. um, so I think Trey will probably average just at twenty-one and a half, maybe twenty-two or twenty-three. I think just people opening up space for him on the outside is just going to be so huge for him and so helpful that um So you're saying I, over? I I'm hitting the over. I'm hitting the over. All
0: right. Uh, the over.
1: This is a tough one for me. I'm I think I'm going to have to be the bad guy. I'm going to take the under and just for the sole purpose that in college basketball to average say 21 22 points, that's just those are just spectacular and consistent numbers. Ridiculous. That is just that is, you know, really good play that puts you in contention for, you know, all sorts of, uh, it's going to come down to his rebounding too, though, of course. Um, but with the new playmakers, everything in my heart says, like, I want to put him at the over, but everything in my head is saying, like, averaging just under 22 points a game is, is just ridiculous play. Still great. Like, yeah. I'm trying to think of how many UMass players in the past have been able, uh, to do that feat and... It's just I'm blanking. So I'm going to have to take the under. um, But uh, I could could definitely see him popping off for a few like 28-point games uh, that could pull those stats in the upward direction. Yeah,
0: so I'm on the same wave as you, Devin. I would say under, and I'll tell you why. I think I do still think Trey is going to have these explosive games. A couple times last year he went for more than 30 points against URI both times. I still think that that's on the table. I still think he can score 30-plus or 25-plus on any given night. Uh, but like you said, I think this is going to be a little bit more of a, sp- uh, a spread-out production with other guys adding more to the offense this year. I, I, like I said, I still think Trey could explode for big games, but I think on most nights you'll see him around 15 to 20 points uh, with more other guys stepping up to help with the bulk of the scoring. TJ Weeks being back, Carl Pierre, all these different names that we've talked about. I, I definitely see how they could score a little more. Uh, but that doesn't take anything away from Trey Mitchell. It just means he's getting a little more help this year. Uh, and he shouldn't be scoring as many points as he was last year. He, sh- I mean, he only averaged 17, only I say, but he averaged 17.7 last year. I would expect it to stay around, maybe even a little less than that total. Uh, but again, not taking anything away from Trey. I just think he's got a little more help this year uh, and more other people who could score. Uh, to lower his average. Can I, Moving uh, can
2: I drop a little, yeah. a little stat for you yeah. really quick? So yeah, Okay. Trey Mitchell's last nine games, how many points do you guys think he averaged?
0: Oh, it was like 24 or something. It was 22.8.
2: Okay. I just want to – I don't know. I, I think what these pieces will do for Trey is just open things up more for him because obviously they're going to revolve this team around Trey. Like he is the centerpiece. He is that guy that will bring this team to the next level. He is a candidate for awards. I'm not gonna say the the high up awards, but just good awards. He will be one of the he could potentially be one of the higher echelon big men in all of college basketball, and I I think that's what uh, McCall and Bergeron are gonna kind of hone in on and take advantage of.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the ceiling really is. If if, if you want to look at look at it this way, I don't think it's too crazy to say that. Yeah, his ceiling is to be the best big man in college basketball. I mean, that's, that's gotta be the the goal for him. And I don't see that it's, I don't, I wouldn't say it's unreachable. I don't know if anybody would disagree.
1: No, don't disagree. It's just where um, initial preseason expectation um, as we're sitting here right now, I I think it's going to, with all the new talent acquiring and all the uh, ability to share the wealth this year, I think it's going to be difficult for Trey to, you know, throw, you know, he's not the entire team anymore. So I think it's going to be a little tougher for him to, have big numbers, but not necessarily have big games. He could definitely have
0: big games still. Totally uh, feel you, Devin. We'll go along to the next one. This one's just as interesting, I guess. I mean, TJ Weeks over under averaging 17 points uh, per game. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Joey, you came up with these numbers, right? I did. I mean, yeah. So I'll let you go first on this one. (laughs) So I picked 17.
2: Because he, I think he was averaging like 15.9 or something like that. 15, 15 or 16 points basically at the end of last year. So just like a one or two point improvement. I honestly don't think he'll have it from what I've said before, just because he was shooting lights out and just insanely efficient. Um, so, and also, I think the depth. And the addition of extra talent, is it's going to affect someone like him scoring. I'm not saying he's going to play worse because of it. He's just not going to put up as nice of numbers as he could have if uh, as many pieces around him weren't there. So I'll say under. Uh, I, think,
1: um, I think I'm think i going to go right around the line there. Maybe a tad under, but like, you know, 16, 16 and a half. I think I'm going to hover right around 17. So maybe just under, if not a push um and yeah that's just for the sole purpose that there's going to be a lot more talent on the floor this year i think we're going to see a lot more um consistency from a bunch of different players so it's going to be hard for uh one player to kind of control game in and game out uh you know however many games they play this year um so there will be games when trey will you know or tj rather will have uh 20 something and there will be games where he's in the low teens uh but all in all, I think he's going to be hovering right around 17. I'm going to take barely under. Um, but, yeah, I'm expecting big things from TJ.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to do the same as you guys. I'm going with under. I think if it was about 14 points, it would get much more interesting. Uh, he averaged 14.7 last year. But what I will say is, okay, sure, he's not going to average 17 points a game. I think that's that would be asking a lot. But what I will say is don't be surprised if TJ Weeks really takes the next step uh, this season and shows more of what he can do, not just shooting threes on the perimeter, but getting to the rim. He's got floater game. He he loves taking floaters. I mean, we saw that a lot last year. I felt like in the game against St. John's, I, I always bring this one up uh, in that tournament there at Mo, at Mohegan. I just felt like TJ was showing more of his ability to get to the rim and score inside the three point line, get to the foul line, even, I think he's much more than what people think uh, than more than just being a three point shooter. And I think we're going to see that a little bit more this year, maybe even bringing the ball up. If he gets a rebound or has to uh, and, and starting offenses on the break. I just, I don't know. I think TJ is much more than what we're seeing on the surface and obviously has some kind of clutch gene inside him where he can go six for six uh, on any given night and, and, and can knock down threes with hands in his face, both corners, anywhere on the court. He's, he's he's a bad man. I mean, you got to watch out for him uh, when he gets going. So he could. I mean, who knows? He could. He could average more than seventeen points a game. But that would be. He'd be becoming the one of the better players on the team, and maybe take over taking Trey over a little bit. But I don't know. I just think you could you could see some major evolution from TJ Weeks this year. Don't be surprised if it happens. You heard it here first on the Men's Basketball Show, Episode Seven, rounding things out, getting towards the end of it. Uh, we've got a couple more topics. We'll see if we maybe scoop pass over under stuff. I mean, kind of a lighthearted story maybe to end things off. We see it year in and year out with Coach McCall bringing on a walk-on player last year, Devontae Hagenbottom. Had a chance to speak with him a, a couple times at some practices, do some interviews. I mean, what a great character he is. Obviously, he was in the Eisenberg School of Management. I believe he's taken some form of internship or job with the NBA. I know that he always wanted to work at the with the NBA, but I mean, just a high-character guy. You really wouldn't even be able to tell him apart from all the other players and be like, oh, that's a walk-on. I mean, he he fit the part. He looked the part. He brought the energy before the games. You always see him dancing, getting other guys going. I mean, really, when you talk about your ideal walk-on, it was Devontae Higginbottom. But now we get this video on Twitter, as we're used to seeing. Always a great moment to see when a player gets the jersey tossed to him. Welcome to the team. Coach Paul says welcome to the team and all the other players kind of surround him, get him hyped. I mean, that's got to be a great feeling to work uh, maybe as a manager or just in the team in some capacity you keep working you're a practice player whatever and then it gets recognized and you get a jersey and you're officially on the team i mean you get a you get your own gear and apparel you're in the locker room i mean that's got to be a pretty cool feeling uh for a guy brady antopolis of course the guy this year who's going to be the walk-on so i'd love to open it up for you guys to to share some takes if you have any on being a walk-on i mean what could you imagine would that be like not the coolest thing in the world to just walk on to a college basketball team division one college basketball team and be like a real player yeah, I mean... Maybe you're not a real player, but still.
2: Yeah, just being a walk-on and being a part of the team, I feel like that'd be an uh, interesting experience, just getting like kind of insight on what goes on and everything. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like that's a, a really cool thing, and hopefully he can kind of take it and use it as and become a mentor for younger
0: players in the future. That'd be something really cool to see, but who knows? Yeah, and to expand on the question too, Devin, before you go, I mean, what, what might be... What are you looking for out of a walk-on? If you're a coach or a player, what does a walk-on provide?
1: I mean, a walk-on to me is just kind of, especially in his first uh, few games or his first, you know, stunt or stint with the team, it's just the guy on the bench that gets everybody going, you know? He's got to be that energy uh, force like we saw. I I just always remember it when watching the Celtics Heat series. I don't know the guy's name, but he was this big, tall, uh, white guy on the bench and he was just firing everybody up and I was like who is this guy and I was like he is the most energized one on the team and he's not even doing anything so I think he can do that uh, obviously provide some competition to the guys that were um, oh my gosh recruited there and I think you know he's got like uh, the other guy we were just talking about um, forgive me for losing his name um, but he has a chance to, you know, only go up. He can uh yeah, he's got a chance to prove himself. And that's gonna be pretty awesome at the division one level.
0: Yeah, and I mean credit to Coach McCall too for for realizing people are giving their effort and for giving these guys a chance. I mean, that's it's really that is a cool thing to see. I mean, I believe in the video he says that Brady told him that anything he can do to help the team, he's he's there to help. And Coach McCall said, Well, why don't you come on as a walk on and really help us out. That's that's just a cool thing. It's a, it's a uh, heartwarming story to see. Um, But we're getting towards the end of things here. Again, men's basketball show episode seven, Cam Cyber, Devin Dobick, Joey Alberti. It's been a lot of fun. Again, guys, I think we've shared some great takes this, this episode. I mean, talking about some of these players that we haven't talked about a lot. I think what really has been eye opening to me after talking about them is how impactful they really could be uh, on this team and all the different skill sets and all the different yeah, all the versatility that this team has just with every individual player. Their skill set is so different uh, and it can really bring something to the table. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, how some of these guys uh, find their role on the team and what the identity is offensively and defensively for UMass. Are they going to press on defense? Are they going to push it on offense? Are they going to slow it down? It's going to be a lot of threes. Like Joey said, they're going to run a lot of pick and rolls. It's just there's so much that could happen this year, so much to be excited about. We're still kind of waiting on the schedule to come out. Uh, I got some sources, not really, but from what I'm hearing, it could come out this week. So we'll definitely keep an eye out for that. But again, thanks thanks to those listeners for tuning in to the men's basketball show again here on WMUA Sports. You can hear it on 91.1 every Wednesday at 11 a.m., or you can catch it on Spotify, WMUA Sports on Spotify. All our other shows are there. Uh, last thing I'll say as well is don't forget, this was presented by a couple different sponsors, uh, Hot Table Panini, located on Route 9 and Hadley. Definitely go check them out. Great place to eat. Uh, Who doesn't love a nice panini? So many different varieties of flavors. And then, of course, Delivery Express. Why go out to the restaurant when you can just have it at home? Order for delivery, delivery deliveryexpress.com, or call Um, 413-549-0077. Quite the tangent I just went on there, boys. But We have a couple minutes. Is there anything that we wanted to squeeze in at the end for our lovely listeners out there?
2: Yeah, really quick. Uh, Devin, when you were talking about the big guy, during the Celtics Heat series, that was bringing all the energy. Were you talking about Taco Fall?
1: No, no, no. The guy he plays for the Heat. Um, he's this big. I got it. I don't know. I was Kelly Olynyk? No, no, I think you're thinking no, of like Mason no. Plumley.
2: I think it is right? Uh, right. Or, or, I don't Plumley.
1: He's not a very energetic guy. Um, I know Myers Leonard. Myers Leonard.
2: I get Myers Leonard and Mason Plumley mixed up, but. Yeah, yeah, he was—he was a big cheerleader in essence during that series.
1: Yeah, he's—he's he's full energy guy. I'm like, who is this guy? He's up out of his seat every play, getting everybody going, smashing the towel up and down.
0: Every team needs it—that energy guy. Let's go! Let's go, boys. Cam, should- Tuesday at 10 a.m. I got a big day going on after this. I can't wait. You should Seven have been on to, uh, UMass.
2: You could have been their energy guy, and I think.
0: I I know, dude. Get me in the locker room before a game and I will just scream my head off. (laughs) I'm sure there's already people in line doing that. They got plenty of people to get the energy up. But how can you not feel the energy around this team? There's like a literal buzz in the air when I think about UMass basketball this year and all that could happen. Fingers crossed that everybody stays healthy and that the season goes kind of as planned. Of course, still waiting on the schedule, hoping for the best with that. Otherwise, I think we're going to round things up here. Again, Cam Seibert, Devin Dobic, Joey Alberti for the men's basketball show here on WMUA Sports. This was episode seven. Tune in every week, Wednesday at 11 a.m. on 91.1 or check it out on Spotify. Otherwise, enjoy the rest of your week and thanks for tuning in. It has been a good one. We'll catch you on the next one, however. UMass basketball. Back in the So